Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. Okay, so episode two of Alana and Amanda today, they chat about um, what it was like for them post-miscarriage and the emotional state that they were in. Um, They had a niece that was due at the same time. So they, they sort of talk extensively about how it felt attending baby showers and birthdays and things like that after their miscarriage and DNC. And they um, delve into the donor sperm process a little bit more as well. Um, I think in this episode they also cover changing doctors and clinics. Yep. Um, they also talk about the loss of a family member due to suicide and the loss of their dog. Mm-hmm. Um, All around the time where I think Alana was miscarrying or was having a chemical pregnancy again. Yeah. Um And um, Alana also touches on, she was seeing a reproductive immunologist as well. So that's something we've heard a little bit, but not a lot about. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Alana's also been diagnosed with uh, PTSD from all the IVF treatments and things like that. So um, that's a really, um, again, quite an in-depth sort of conversation we have around that and how sort of that's come about and how that impacts furthering or, you know, continuing their treatment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we hope you enjoy listening to this second episode for Alana and Amanda. By this time, it was April 2018, um, and it took about eight weeks for me to get my period back after the miscarriage, and the doctor had said, um, look, you've got a better chance of conceiving straight after that and after a DNC. Mm. Um, so we went, okay, well, we'll jump into a, a frozen transfer. <sighs> and, you know, again, poor bedside manner, the doctor. Sorry, are you still seeing the same doctor? Yes. Yep. Sorry, so same is, doctor, same clinic. So this is still the same doctor, same clinic. Um, and we... You know, we kind of went for the appointment and were like, you know, we had this miscarriage, you know, what the hell, what happened? And the doctor just kind of said, well, you know, you fell pregnant, so that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a, it, uh, you know, because I got... a success because you fell pregnant. Yeah. Because I got past the six weeks, I was a positive statistic for them. Um, And... Mm. To be honest, like they just didn't seem to care about the miscarriage. It was just like, yeah, it happens. I mean, um, we got counselling after that. We did get counselling. The counsellor was great. Yeah. But, you know, the clinic itself was just like, yeah, happens, move on. Yeah. It's not okay. Um, so we did this first frozen transfer. <laughs> to be honest, like we were talking about it last night. Neither of us can remember any of it. Um, yeah. I, I probably got a photo of the embryo. Yeah, we, we, get, we definitely got photos. I can't remember anything about that. I don't actual... remember anything about that time because no. we were just so numb still. And mm-hmm. at the same time, um, so my sister-in-law or our sister-in-law had her baby shower 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I pushed myself to go to that baby shower. So stupid. I spent most of the time in the bathroom trying not to cry, uh, like on the phone to my mum. And, you know, everyone's talking happily for a baby. And, of course, we were happy for them, of course. But, you know, everyone's, you know, you're filling out these forms about hopes and dreams for this baby. And like all I could kind of think was, well, you know, I should be just six weeks behind her. Um, so that was really tough. So Every milestone for that? Every milestone for her was like a really rough reminder. Even now? And even now, you know, mm-hmm. that our niece, um, you know, we love our niece so much, but it's a really rough reminder of what we should have had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and that's just kind of an ongoing theme, really, and I know a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so, you know, that that cycle was negative. Um and to, like to be honest, I really I don't yeah. remember. I don't it sounds remember. really bad that that we can't remember, but Mm-mm. it's um I think I, I remember reading a book before we started, and um uh it was from the point of view of of um, a partner watching um their their significant other go through mm. IVF and stuff, and in the book um they talk about being starting to be complacent. And kind of don't does doesn't you know doesn't turn up to all the tests and transfers because by it's this just time it's, medical thing yeah you know. it, you're just going through emotions you can't keep taking time off work for that um, and I thought oh that sounds weird I don't think I could ever do that but by this point there'd been so many early morning blood tests so many other appointments that we've gone to um, and transfers it's like oh I can't literally keep taking time off work for mm-hmm. this. Um, and I started to kind of see it like, oh, shit, yeah, you do have to pick and choose with what you want to turn up to, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. And, like, luckily I, I'm i completely fine with, like, medical things, so that never worried me. But I know some people, you know, they have to have their partner there all the time and, and it's tough, you know, because it's a lot of pressure on both of you to to take that time off work and you know trying to keep it secret from work you don't particularly want to be telling them that you're going through fertility treatment um you know um so that that made it tough but um you know so we decided okay we've got one more embryo in the freezer and no sorry we had two more embryos in the freezer but for some reason, we just decided we wanted to do another IVF cycle. I, I for whatever reason, decided that those two embryos there weren't going to work. And I just wanted to do another collection IVF cycle. You mean a collection? And a collection. Yeah. Um, you know, but because of the whole donor situation, that was a bit tough because we went, when we went for our six-week scan with the positive pregnancy test, they said to us straight after that, well... Now you're pregnant, you can order more vials of that donor's sperm. And so you're guaranteed that sperm. And, you know, we were six weeks pregnant at that point and not thinking about having extra sperm. Um, and we just kind of went, oh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll think about that. You know, and then three weeks later, everything fell apart. So we kind of had missed that boat and... The first person I spoke to was a bit like, well, no, you can't 
order the sperm. You just have to pick another donor. And I kind of said, yeah, but I've got embryos here with that donut. Like, you know, what are we meant to do? And they were just like, no. Well, that's the rules. Um, but I pushed and pushed, and in the end, they they ended up letting us order another vial of that donor um, to do a second round of IVF. So we did that, and, you know, I was all happy. Um and this like was the first time we were sold add-ons um so we were sold these cultures for the embryos that were meant to you know increase our chances of implantation create better embryos and by that point we were starting to get a bit desperate so we went with it mm-hmm. um we kind of thought oh you know it's not super expensive so we'll go with it <laughs> not super expensive <laughs> Um, in the scheme of things yeah (laughs) and you know that that cycle went quite well I got 12 egg um eight fertilized and then because our clinic did day three as day three transfers as standard I'd done a lot of reading by that point and realized it was probably the only clinic in Sydney that did day three transfers Mm -hmm. and so I pushed to have my embryos taken to day five. And that took a lot of pushing, but they yeah. agreed. Yeah. And they said it was our risk. And I said, yep, that's fine. I'm happy to take that risk. However, day three fell on a Saturday. So in the end, for whatever reason, well, because it was a Saturday um, and, you know, just kind of the whole taking time off work thing, we decided to transfer a fresh day three embryo, but take the rest to day five. So we ended up having uh, another two embryos make it to day five um, at that point. And I didn't think the cycle had worked. Um, so, you know, every time I... I probably should have said the first pregnancy. So the times that I have fallen pregnant, I get this pulling feeling in my uterus and that's kind of, that's my sign. So I did get that and I got excited and I was on the pregnant boosters again. So I was doing doing pregnancy tests and Mm. it was positive, but I thought that it was the the pregnant. It got a bit darker, but then it started fading. And I just assumed it was the pregnant. Um, got the call after the blood test and they said, well, you're a little bit pregnant, but it's not going to last. And at that point, I thought I'd done so much research and I was just completely flawed. You know, it was a chemical pregnancy. And they're just like, well, it's not going to last. And... I just kind of was in shock, got off the phone, called Amanda, told her. And then we both came home and we're just like, what? Like, this does not make any sense, you know? This is ridiculous. So we called the after-hours number and the nurse kind of said, well, yeah, it, the number's so low. Like, you know, this pregnancy's not going to last. And we're like, are you sure there's nothing we can do? And she said, no, you just have to wait two periods starts. Mm. And that was just a really devastating blow. Like, you know, and another reality check of, like... Something we'd never considered before, but it's happened to us, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, and just kind of the start of these, like, 
these unexpected things being thrown at you constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, you, you think you think you know it, you think you've done the research, and you just constantly, with IVF, get things thrown at you that you just had no idea about. So anyway, that was tough. Also, you're still trying to deal with the miscarriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which maybe uh, continuing on with this kind of buried that that experience of having the miscarriage, or we're still going to continue on. Um, it's not over. We're busy with continuing on our fertility journey, um, and it kind of didn't deal with it. Mm completely not that you ever deal with it completely you relive it all the time um but somewhat masked by continuing on the fertility journey i guess especially for alana because she was researching looking into reading keeping her mind busy with this process and not the past yeah definitely and then i just you know we had our wtf appointment and you know absolutely no advice from the doctor you know the only advice is like well you just got to keep going keep going keep going can't roll the can't roll the same number on a dice twice it's highly unlikely it's you know you just got to keep going like okay so we've got to keep going i'm really (laughs) struggling to hear about this doctor i'm not gonna lie uh Uh, look and hindsight is a beautiful thing right of course Uh, and in hindsight now we've experienced uh, and you'll know that we've experienced two other doctors. And so looking back on it, it it's a very raw kind of um, mm-hmm. opinion that we have mm-hmm. um, because we've experienced someone on the complete end of the scale with bedside manner and stuff like that. So um, it sounds very brutal and it, it may come off as very bitter, but it's just... No, no, not at all. It, yeah, well, it's just honest, I guess. Yeah. 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 So the only people online that like this doctor are the ones that fell pregnant first go yeah sorry i'm just going to come out and say alana spends like a lot of time on forums and to (laughs) me for uh it's very um the only people that are completely positive are the ones that have had success i'm sorry like it's a very it's very polar it's very black and white yeah like I I personally don't like spending too much time on that thing because I just yeah you know but in in the forums uh, you know all these women had warned me about this doctor and had said do not go there do mm-hmm. not go there yeah and uh, and pers- at, at per- the time oh yeah it, it's personalities it's personal really experience possible. is going to different oh, for sure. people's opinion so like oh, if you had a success it's going to be fine yeah if you haven't. It's not so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it was absolutely polarized online, and I didn't know what to think. And we just, you know, we went with our friend's suggestion. Um, yeah, I just feel for you guys having to. It sounds like he really lacked a lot of compassion, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was clinical, and at the end of the day, these people go there, and this is their job, and they do this every day. Of course. Um, yeah. Uh, to, but however, the nursing staff. Oh, the nursing staff were amazing, yeah. right? Um, it, and it's also you're in a traumatic, we're in a traumatic time in our lives anyway. So anything less than compassion uh, is going to be hard for us to deal with at that time. Like yeah. the smallest comment could set Alana off, mm-hmm. right? So um, this is just 
our experience and the way that we interpret interactions during that time mm-hmm. everything seemed like it was brutal yeah um yeah. so someone might prefer that clinical nature and it's this is just how it is this is business uh, we are just it wasn't for Alana she is a person that needs mm-hmm. compassion needs support yeah um and that's just her experience um but yeah. yeah anyway so so we so I'd been researching other clinics in the background <laughs> and had found this doctor that looked fabulous um and decided to get referrals for that doctor and also another doctor at the same clinic, so two at the same clinic, um, had appointments with both of those doctors and they essentially told me that, you know, one of my options was can I move my embryos to your clinic? And I was told absolutely not, we do not accept embryos from that clinic um, because of standards were standards different. And said, okay. So they said, look, I think you've just had a lot of bad luck. You're young, you're really healthy, all your tests are fine. My advice is to just continue on at that clinic. You know, you've got, I think we had uh, one, two, we had four embryos in the freezer. Mm. And they said, look, you know, your options are just continue on there or leave your embryos there and come to us and start fresh. Okay, um, so we decided that we would just continue on at the clinic. So, um, you know, this was July. We, you know, so that was July. In August, we went to, Amanda went to Melbourne for work and I went with her and that's when our niece was born um and that was tough like that was so many mixed emotions we were just you know it was just this reminder that I should have been giving birth in six weeks time um you know but of course we were excited for our new niece but it was just and and it's just so strange to have those conflicting emotions Mm. really strange and Um, the anxiety that comes with it the anxiety that comes with it you have to go into a hospital you have to go into a maternity ward um uh, and i'm I'm kind of glad that we were in melbourne and had that buffer that we didn't have to go straight away go straight away we had time to process it and you know the family the rest of the family also had time to be be happy without worrying about us <laughs> because I know that it was a conflicting time for them as well. So we flew back from Melbourne, went to the hospital and, you know, had a panic attack on the way there. <laughs> and this is a, a reoccurring theme from now on. Um, and walked into the maternity, you know, the postnatal ward and there's a woman with a fetal monitor on and just hearing the heartbeat and I I just lost it. We had to walk back out, Mm. regroup before we went in to see our niece. And I I don't know, to be honest, that was a blur. Like it was just so tough holding this newborn and everyone, everyone in that room, you know, I felt like everyone was holding their breath. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. But, and, but 
like I think I think what kind of cut through it was um, us. our other niece was there and she's just this larger than life kind of she'll snuff you out of anything and yeah I think she 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 helped the mood absolutely. she helped the mood and we've got photos of us with you know all four of us sitting there happy baby in in the, yeah, we, in the room. we were happy we were so oh. happy that it was just yes. so it's hard so tough yeah and to be honest I think we have such a close relationship with my two nieces that or our two nieces sorry that um I think that's really helped us with our journey like it's brutal it's it's, it's so brutal but it's exposure that's it's helped yeah and it's exposure it's like with any kind of anxiety exposure you know um controlled exposure is the best mm-hmm. best medicine I guess mm. um and they've just been an absolute world of help for both of us mm. through this entire process as hard as it can be but mm. they're just we get to care for them we get to look after them too mm. we have a connection with them it's um it's special it's even more special because you know you know the situation that we're in like we value that so much mm. um we definitely don't take it for granted mm-hmm. um not. yeah yeah so then you know then we're in September 2018 and that should have been our baby's first birthday. Yeah. Um, and that was tough. We we decided to go away for a few days and just have time for the two of us. And um, that was tough. Like, that that really hit us. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was nice to have that time, just the two of us, and just reflecting on things, I think, and getting away from from work and... And just really making that a special time for the two of us. I mm. think, you know, we needed that. We needed that. Mm. And at the same time, I started looking into natural killer cells, uh, which, you know, is a whole other world in, in fertility treatment. And then, you know, we're in October 2018, and that was our niece's second birthday. Mm. And... A, you know, she had a second birthday party. Kids and everywhere. Kids everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, obviously our other niece is only mm. know, six, eight weeks old. Um, another and family member had a newborn as well, um, and that was just tough. I, I, I forced myself to go, but mm. again, panic attack. Um, you know, we're sitting around the table, and Amanda could just see how much I was just panicking I was just freaking out the whole time and she could see that and she thought that it was a good idea Mm. to hand me my newborn meats and say why don't you take her upstairs and try and put her to sleep so you know um um, I stand by that that was a good idea well you know it it was absolutely brutal um me standing in a dark room trying to put this newborn to sleep I sobbed the entire time but I got her to sleep. And, and you um, loved it. I, I did love it. And I love her so much. And um, it was brutal. You know, it was absolutely brutal. And, um, you know, because everyone was on eggshells at that, at that birthday party of how I was going to be. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I just hid myself in that room. You know. I stand by that that was a good thing. Like, you had no one was there watching you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because you felt everybody watching every emotion that Alana went through at that party. Like, mm-hmm. my mum was being cautious, my brother was being cautious, you know, yeah. everyone was like, shit. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, 
at the end of the day, she she loves children, right? And I think there's, it's going to be hard, but it's also going to be healing and it's, you know, separate to any anybody else being around her, watching her go through that. So she mm-hmm. can cry if she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and Or she can just sit there and be, I don't know. I, I still stand by that. That was a good thing, yeah. as, as hard as it was, yeah. you know. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then, you know, so it's October. There's, you know, a couple of months left of the year. We've got four embryos left. We're like, right. The plan is we're just going to transfer all these embryos Hope for the best, and if none of these embryos work, that's it with this clinic. That's it. We are moving to another clinic. Mm. Um, so, you know, we jumped into another FET, the second FET in October, and I started really advocating for myself at this point. And I pushed to have a different trigger. I pushed to use different medications, and it didn't work. It was another negative. Um, so jumped straight into another one in November and by this point physically and emotionally like it had absolutely taken my toll on me and I was turning into an absolute psychopath with hormones mm. I was I was a monster um, <laughs> absolute monster and I can you know I'll happily admit that um, and I saw a reproductive immunologist for the same for the first time, and um, he, you know, did the natural killer cell testing, and kind of told me I was on the low side of high for natural killer cells. Um, you know, so I did this FET. The uh, reproductive immunologist put me on steroids and. Uh, I think it was just, the first one was just steroids. He put me on steroids and aspirin, I think, and said to me, look, you're going to fall pregnant. I'm not going to see you back. I was like, oh, wow, great. Okay. This is fabulous news, you know? Um, You know, that did not work. (laughs) That was another chemical pregnancy. Mm. So, uh, you know, again, they just said to me, look, there's nothing we can do. You just got to wait a few period. Okay. So we get to December 2018. And uh, yeah, I like, I feel awful that I just, I was horrible. I was horrible to Amanda. I was horrible to my mom. I had like this, like, I just went off at my mom one day, just like absolutely lost it because mm. I just, I was so out of control with these hormones. Um, back-to-back cycles is just the toughest thing that I've ever done, and I don't think I would ever do that again, to be honest. Um, oh, it is it is nuts. And um, so for this one, this is FET4, um, I did a full immune protocol with this. So this is intralipids, steroids, antibiotics, um, and blood thinner injections. Uh, the whole bit. Yeah, that was the most intense that was cycle that we've so done from the amount of drugs, from the amount of injections that I had to give Alana, the blood thinner ones. I, um, my God, they leave some bruises. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was literally got to a point where I said, I, I can't find any more room on your stomach. Um, I'm, and I'm so sorry that it, and to be honest, like the hormones were running crazy and she was fucking crazy and very hard to deal with. So I got a little bit of pre- pleasure from giving her injection. <laughs> there might've been a couple of, oops, sorry, I accidentally stabbed you then. That, that was, no, I'm joking, but it was, it was hard. Uh, the, the, the bruises, I, I vividly remember the bruises and I, fuck, I hated doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hated it. We're um, doing, uh, some, some days we're doing like, I was doing four injections a day. Yeah. Um, you know, taking just, Oh, like 20 pills a day it was tough oh yeah and there were then there was all the vitamins that you were taking as well plus the prescri- prescribed vitamins and just it i i was watching this going fuck I, I should stop should i should i be stopping this like is this too far like what how have we got here but at no time through this whole process did i want to it, it's her body her choice everything's her body her choice mm-hmm. um and i was like okay, you're just going to have to support her through this. Like, um, if decisions that she wants to make on how she wants her body to go through this, you're just going to have to sit there and go, okay, I support you. Yeah, that's definitely so freaking hard when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that, and that was the first cycle that I did an intralipid infusion, and that is essentially an infusion, like an intravenous infusion of soy and egg whites. Mm. Um, like you know, you sit there for eight hours while this drip goes through your veins, and uh, it's meant to like lower your immune system, and so your body doesn't attack the embryo. So the embryo has a better chance of implantation. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't. There was no side effects from that. It was just a boring day of sitting in a hospital to be honest um and that was four days before christmas so you know when you really can't afford to spend eight hours in a hospital but i did it and you know the two-week wait was kind of over the christmas period and you know still during injections over christmas and then my brother got married uh, late December, just after Christmas, and we went away for that. It was we, a yeah, yeah, it was a destination wedding, so we went away from that. The morning that we went to the wedding, I had to go and get a blood test, and you know, we drove to the you know drove to the location, and we were sitting up for the wedding, and I get this call that no, you're not pregnant. Um, it's another chemical, chemical pregnancy. pregnancy. So you know, uh, we're staying in a house with all these other people. <laughs> And we have to deal with the news of yet another chemical pregnancy and then show up to a wedding, you know, just with a brave face. And it was like 43 was degrees like, that day. It was fucking so hot. hot. It was so hot. And, you know, I just feel like an absolute train wreck. And that was tough. But I said, you can drink at the wedding. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So silver we lining. Yeah. So we did drink at the wedding. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Um, but I guess, like, and even then, that's that's a milestone that, oh, because obviously they got engaged ages ago, oh, we would have a baby by that time. Where are we? What are we going to do sharing a house with a newborn? Mm-hmm. That's what we were planning ages ago, and you're here, and you don't, you don't have to, you're not in that scenario that you thought you'd be in. So you're like reassessing, you know, and and rem- 
reminding yourself that this was supposed to be your future, but it's not. And here you are and you're in it and you deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that ended out 2018. Um, so we thought, okay, 2019, new clinic, fresh start, let's do this. Um, the new clinic sounded, the new doctor sounded very promising. The new doctor wasn't going to do an IVF cycle with me until I'd had surgery. So she wanted to do hysteroscopy and laparoscopy to check the endometriosis and just check you know, what was going on inside. So that happens in March 2009, uh, 2019. And um, the results came back and I quote, there may be an endometriosis. There might not be. I don't know. <laughs> How, how does that work? Yeah, and I, I, we were just absolutely floored because we were like, we've just paid you all this money mm-hmm. to have, and I've had surgery to check for endometriosis. <laughs> is it there or is it and, not? Yeah, and what was the point? The result is like, oh, I don't know. Um, and we're just we're completely floored, but I kind of thought, well, okay, obviously it's not so bad that you can see it everywhere so maybe that's a good thing so we forged ahead and this clinic had with their donors you had to you had to be on a waiting list and that was about six months again um for, for the American donors. But they were bringing on a new uh, donor clinic as as well. Which was in South Africa. With, which is in South Africa, yeah. So because that was new, there was no waiting, or we were told there was no waiting list for that. So um, we had we had a look. And we, we kind of thought, you know, what does it matter? What does it matter at this point? Like, we're at, yeah. So we, we, we started looking at their clinic, and then it was just a, couple of weird things that were happening like you had the option to chat with the donor and Alana's name got passed on <laughs> like the donors were chatting to us and using my first name and the friends were like hang on why do they know my name mm-hmm. and so we're kind of saying to the clinic what's going on here and they're like oh that shouldn't be happening yeah. we're like no it should not be like uh so something was happening in the software the chatability with the donors or whatnot so we that was a bit weird and then we went to the website and the website was down and i was like that's also weird so we told the clinic that and they're like oh let me this is so this is very new very new setup and then there was the, the donors that there was a couple of donors that all had the same oh profile. yeah the donors had the same profile but different donor numbers so we're like what's going on so we flagged like, that and they're like, oh, let, let's fix this up. It's just a bit of teething issues because they're just, just setting up. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Um, and then well, we kind of got to a point. So we had to use a lawyer for this particular oh, yeah. clinic. We had um, to send our passports. Yeah, we, so we had to send all kinds of details, like passport details and to this South African lawyer. And we had to have a lawyer in Sydney. And, yeah. Um, so the lawyers were all dealing with the contracts. And it was very strange and completely different to what we dealt, dealt with before where we just ordered through the clinic and that yeah. was it. And we just got to a point where it just got too strange and there was too many problems. And we, we'd actually ordered uh, our vials and they told us that once we ordered them, they would be in Sydney in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But when we ordered them, they told us that they weren't going to be here for like 
three months and we were like no 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 that's not what you were told and so we just we lost it we lost it at the clinic and i think i remember i was at work and i went into a meeting room mm-hmm. and i called the donor the donor coordinator the donor coordinator i said look this is what we've dealt with so far mm-hmm. i was like um we bought it now you're saying that they don't have the right documentation for clearance at I believe it was like customs or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take another three months to register and get it cleared. I said, that's bullshit. We're, we're booked in for collection. We need sperm now. What are you going to do? And she was like, oh, but there's a, another, you've got another three months on your other donor clinic waiting list. I said, no, nah, that's not happening. I said, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I got a bit, I don't know. I just, I was like, nah. We have to advocate for ourselves. Yeah, really and we pushed it. And look, she's like, okay, I'll get back to you. Call me back. And I fully expected her to say, there's nothing you can do. Cancel your cycle. She's like, no, okay, we bumped you up to the top of the list. You can now access the other clinic. And I was like, okay, thank you. And I called Alana back. She was like, how the hell did you get them to do that? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I went in like, I just was like, nah, this isn't happening. I'm, I've been quite quiet through this whole um experience so far with you know I always kind of was the one to step in when we needed a bit of bit more grunt behind (laughs) what we wanted um and yeah and then we got the access so we could continue on with that next cycle um they said to us look there's only two donors to pick from yeah at that point we're just like you know what I don't give a shit yeah Um, (laughs) like we just want sperm yeah we just want a baby um really don't care about care about that kind of stuff anymore it's not it's not important and so with this we had to buy eight vials of sperm so uh and with the exchange rate i think it ended up costing us fifteen thousand for sperm what (laughs) yeah fifteen thousand australian dollars yeah so you had to buy vials and Um, is that is is any of that rebatable on medicare or private health insurance no no donor sperm are you fucking kidding me no so, and that, that's why we went with the clinic before because we didn't have to pay $15,000 up front. Mm. It was $800 per vial and you, you bought it per, per cycle, right? So this was $15,000. Um, it was a huge outlay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that in itself. And at that point I was like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, take like, my money. We're, we're in this. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. Just do it. So we've got it. We had it expressed over because she was starting a cycle and needed it. Um, so that was fun. And, well, and it just happened that one of the donors was what we were looking for. He yeah. An Italian background. It did seem like fate somewhat that it was there, right? Yeah. So, and we're like, oh, wow, this is great. So, you know, we get to April 2019 and we start the next IVF cycle. So this is a third stimulated IVF cycle. Mm. And the doctor had said, oh, look, you're on a really high dose of medication at the previous clinic. Um, so let's just stick with that. Mm. I said, okay. Thought that I needed it. Um, and look, the previous clinic did ICSI. So that seemed to work for you. So let's just also do ICSI. ICSI yeah. wasn't standard at this new clinic but it was an add-on so we paid extra for ICSI so you know everything looks great throughout the cycle um you know my scans were great this uh this clinic this new clinic was 
a lot more attentive. You know, there was a lot more blood tests, mm. a lot more scans. Um, and so I, I felt really comfortable and secure. Um, everything looked great. There was about 12 follicles. Like fabulous, great. Um, you know, get to egg collection. I wake up by myself, and only seven eggs were collected. <laughs> and uh, like, I was just devastated. She thought she had failed again. But, yeah, I thought I yeah. failed. I didn't understand how there was twelve follicles on a scan, and you know, only have seven collected. It just, I just felt like such a failure. I didn't. I, I really did not understand. Um, yeah, you know, so that that took a lot to to bring me around. Um, and then this clinic had um, an app that you can watch the embryos grow. So that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, so we did that, and they also do day five transfers as standard, or take embryos to day five as standard. So. But, you know, we did that. We went in. They also had grading, like they had uh, yeah. a very specific set out grading, mm-hmm. which the other clinic didn't really have. So, um, yeah, it was it was a very different experience just um, from, I don't I guess, how more intricate their their facilities were. Um, yeah, and, but they had more advanced technology. Oh, yeah. Um, and the information we got from that, so like even like grading was was new to us, and you you, you got more of an idea of, of what it actually what what needed to be happening inside that little little follicle or whatnot. So yeah. that was really good, and even watching them was excellent. Um, like mm-hmm. it was a great experience. Yeah, definitely. So we um you know we went on in on day five, and found that two made it to day five. Mm. And, you know, that was just devastating. It was our worst cycle yet. And I just could not understand how it was getting worse. Um, But, you know, we went in for the transfer and they showed us this hatching blastocyst on the screen. Which was weird because the last last clinic that we were at said we were transferring hatching blastocyst, but this... This was an actual... This embryo was... Actually, like, was busting out like yeah. on the thing, and I was like, oh, "Hang on, this is completely different. This looks completely different." Um, and I was like, "Actually, never seen that happen before." And we've had so many transfers. I'm like, "Why haven't we seen that happen before?" Mm-hmm. But anyway, we, we so, and I thought, "Oh my god, this means it's going to work. Look how good that looks. Look mm-hmm. what it's doing." Yeah, hundred percent. This was kind of like the first cycle. I think that we were like, "Oh, we've got this in the bag." Yeah, in the bag. This is going to happen, um, and it didn't. It was I I was on progesterone support for this cycle. Um, oh, I actually did a full immune protocol for this cycle as well, and mm. I was on progesterone support suppositories for the first time, and quite strong suppositories. But I still got my period before test day and that was the first time I ever got my period before test day and you know they all said to me no 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 this can't happen you're on progesterone and I said like it's happening like I've got my period like I like I don't know what to tell you so you know they fast tracked the blood test and I went in a couple of days earlier I think and it was negative like completely negative so we had the WTF call with the doctor 
And that doctor said to me... The demeanour just changed completely. Yeah. So from... this doctor was really helpful, like really proactive in yeah. the beginning. And that just completely flipped Yeah. To... when I didn't get a positive pregnancy test too. Well, some women just never get pregnant. <laughs> oh I was like, God. what? <laughs> and we're on the train on the way home at that point. Mm. Like... Uh, we just couldn't believe it. Absolutely could not believe that that had been said to us. Like, it was just so insensitive. It was ridiculous. I um, mean, I understand doctors sometimes have to be, here's the cold hard facts. Mm. But, but there it was, was no, one cycle. Like, it was one transfer. And yeah. that, and that's it. But there was also no advice. Like, no, there was no... The back of that. Yeah. It was just, like, throwed out, well, some women never get pregnant. Uh, so... I was just furious, absolutely furious. And again, like, Bullet the Gate went on a rampage, got referrals to other doctors to get second opinions again, um, and saw a doctor in Sydney at another clinic who does deal with immune protocols. Um, but this doctor did more testing on me and said, look, no, you don't have high natural killer cells. I wouldn't do immune protocols with you. So I said, okay, cool great um saw another one and that doctor did an ultrasound and said oh it kind of looks like you've got a bit of endometriosis and this doctor said look uh, you know there's this drug that's an implant it's used for cancer oh, um, <laughs> that oh i remember that now yeah. yeah it's used for cancer and it'll clear out your uterus so you could do this with me and then go back to your clinic and transfer the other embryo you have and you'll probably have a great chance of implantation because your uterus will be really clean. <laughs> By this point, I'm really desperate. Like, I'm just like, oh, wow, great, okay. They said, oh, look, the side effects are nausea, hot flushes, but, you know, generally it's pretty good. Women don't get it. So I started a new job in July 2019 and got this implant the week before. And I had every frigging side effect <laughs> under the sun. I was so nauseous. It was ridiculous. Like, I'm talking it was like I had morning sickness. I was getting hot flushes, like, no tomorrow. Mm. Like, these people at my new job must have thought I was an absolute crazy person. Like, for a couple of weeks, I lived on hot chips and, like, dry biscuits because I was just so sick. It was ridiculous. Um, oh, my gosh. Like, that stuff was absolutely meaningful. I don't know why I did that, but I was just so desperate. And, and then we went to another cycle. Well, didn't we? no, because I didn't get my period at all. Like, I just didn't get my period and for, like, 90-something days. Oh, yeah. Um, so I kind of, my clinic didn't know I was doing this, so I kind of had to play dumb and call them and just be like, oh, I just, I haven't had my period for 90 days. I don't know what's going on. So they started doing investigations and there was a huge cyst on my follicle, uh, a huge cyst on my ovaries. And they kind of said, oh, well, that's why. And I was like, okay, cool. So, you know. I was kind of on medication and, like, trigger shots to try and pop this cyst. It was a bit ridiculous. But then, you know, we kind of get to August 2019 and this is kind of when 
shit really went downhill. Um, that was our niece's first birthday, which meant that our baby's first birthday should have just been in a couple of weeks' time. And, you know, once again, panic attacks, going to the party. Super tough. Super tough. Um, and then, you know, September 2019, which would have been our baby's first birthday. Um, we are. It should have been, you know, a date. Um, we actually had Amanda's mum's hen's day for her because she was getting married. So I absolutely threw myself into the planning, the luncheon, yeah, just to take my mind off it. And, uh, you know, of course, like completely broke down. And even that, that's another event. Like my mother's wedding was another event that we were talking about. Oh, and it's your child's not old enough to walk down the aisle you can you know you can carry it and stuff like that and it's just yeah there was like a whole thing <laughs> of what like the two little ones so like our niece plus like our baby what they were going to be doing at the yeah. wedding and yeah like, what they were going to be wearing and... like someone was going to be in the hotel room to look after the baby while we were at the wedding and stuff like that yeah. so it's like once again we tried to plan for this thing that that's happening now and it's not what we planned yeah um, and that was like you know, I fell apart after that, and that was really tough. Yeah. Again, yeah. you know, and then we get to kind of October 2019, and uh, it's our niece's. The older one. The older one. It's her third birthday. And by this point, I've just kind of put my foot down and I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with kids' parties. I can't do this anymore. I've done their first birthday. But you know, this third birthday, I don't need to be, I don't need to be the third birthday, like, she doesn't know, you know, I can't do it, and that, that was met with a bit of resistance, mm. people kind of didn't, I think I was, I, I took that a bit personally, and I was like, personally, yeah, like, everyone kind of took it personally, and I just, I had to put my foot down and say, no, absolutely not, like, yeah. I don't need to put myself through this anymore, like, I've had enough, um, but, I went. I think, I think in my head, it's always the lead up to these things that trigger the most anxiety. She can just get there and see that it's okay and get there and see the nieces that make everything okay again, you know? Um, I didn't want her to just be like, no, I'm shutting up the world and that's it. Mm. And that's done and that's closed. It's like, to me, that was like where she's gone mentally into a very dark place where she can no longer um enjoy life you know mm-hmm. normal life um that was like a line that I didn't want her to cross so I was always I wasn't I didn't want to force it but I I just wanted to encourage her through it saying okay you don't need to make a decision now you can wake up on the day and whatever you feel like on that day you know take some of the anxiety out of it mm-hmm. um no one expects you to go I was always like playing the mediator between the external world and Alana like mm-hmm. you know I, I've told everyone this is how it is and and, and tell Anna, like, they, it's, it's all good outside. Like, it's whatever you need to do, you need to do, and I will tell everybody and I will take care of everything. Um, which, it, like, I tried to take control of a lot of situations, which was... Yeah, yeah. Did. and that was, that was tough as well for you. Like, that, and that's, you know, uh, I think we'll talk about this in a better question, but that's kind of, you know, the source of a lot of conflict for us is... Yeah. That Amanda felt like she needed to 
protect me and take control of, of a lot of situations. So, yeah. But anyway, I, I went to my niece's party and I, I, we didn't tell anyone that I was coming. No. Because I just, I, I woke up that day and was like, no, I'll, I'll come. Yeah. So we walked in and everyone's like, oh, you're here, you're here. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And everyone's giving a big cuddles and, uh, you know, in front of other people that didn't, didn't know, know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Um, I was like, oh, so I kind of come from a great place, but I was like, oh, this is still socially awkward. <laughs> Everyone's like, what the f- is going on? They're yeah. so happy to see these people. Yeah, it was, that was, that was, that yeah, was, it was weird. <laughs> and then later on during the day at the party, I was sitting next to another woman who had had a stillborn. Um, about the, not too long after we'd had the miscarriage. And, yeah. um, someone else, another person at the party started talking about babies and when are you going to try again and what are you going to do? They looked at us and said, oh, this must be really tough for the two of you to be here with all these kids around. And we are just like, yep, it's really tough. And, you know, this woman said to the lady that had had the stillborn, so when are you going to try for kids again? And she she just said, we've been trying ever since and we've had no success. And I just, oh my God, I felt so much anxiety for this poor woman. And, you know, uh, this person who, you know, is, is close to us kind of said, oh, well, you know, Alana and Amanda have been trying for ages. You know what? You've just got to relax. You've just got to relax and it'll happen. But you know what? If you don't have kids, you've got so many nieces and nephews. And, like, there was just this awkward silence. And I just text Amanda across the table and said, we need to leave. Like, I have to go. I cannot do this. So, yeah, we, we went home. <laughs> and um, It didn't come from a place of no, bad, no, badness. No, like, <laughs> these comments never come from a place of, you know, no one's ever trying to be awful. <laughs> but it's just... They're just uneducated. I think they're unaware of yeah. what to say. That's right. Yeah, that's I think right. I, also, yeah, they don't think and they say stuff and then they probably go around, like, go home later and go, oh, fuck, why did I say that? Like, yeah. we've all done those moments, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like it would yeah. be better just to say, listen, I actually really don't know what to say right now because I feel like nothing would be sufficient. So, yeah. like, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Um, and so then, you know, that same month we kind of went into frozen transfer five uh, and we did that on a natural cycle. So, you know, the doctor kind of said to me, look, you've been on so many medications, maybe the medications just aren't working with you. Is this a new doctor? No. 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 And um, why don't you just do a frozen transfer on a natural cycle? So we just track your ovulation pinpoint ovulation, wait till five days after, and transfer the embryo. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, all right. It's something that we haven't tried, so why not? Um, and that was the weirdest cycle, to go from so much intervention to absolutely no intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had no idea what to do with myself, and it was – I, I was a bit of, like, you know, I was just always a mess, I think, but it was really tough just to – just have idle hands. I had I had nothing to do with my time. Like I wasn't doing injections. Like, you know, there was just nothing. And 
you know, <laughs> I was absolutely stoked because technically I was pregnant on my birthday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're pregnant until proven otherwise. And I was pregnant on my birthday and that made my day. Uh, but things very quickly started falling apart after that. So we found out it was another chemical pregnancy. But my levels were kind of borderline viable pregnancy. They were just below it. So they kind of said, well, look, let's do another blood test in 48 hours and see how that goes. And the levels went up only slightly, um, kind of just under doubling, really. And we were like, what the hell? Like, you know, what do we do? Like, they said, well, there's nothing you can do. You just have to wait. Yeah, you just have to wait it out. And we're like, okay. So kind of in the middle of this, I'd already gotten another referral for another doctor within the same clinic who is kind of like the head doctor of this clinic. And we talked about it and made the decision that um, how can we continue on with someone who said, you know, some, some women just yeah. don't get pregnant? Like, where's where's the trust in that? Yeah, um, we'd gotten to a point we just had no trust in that doctor, and we didn't want to let it go for as long as the first clinic because, well, quite frankly, we're running out of money. Like, mm. oh, we probably ran out of money a couple of months before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was we we're starting to make some hard of decisions and we're, very, we're less apologetic for the responses or mm-hmm. um, outcomes that we're having basically and we're like no fuck it. we've taken control back like completely mm-hmm. so well it ended yeah. up it ended up becoming like business decisions you know yeah. we couldn't use our heart anymore like you know it, it was it was about money yeah. and we needed an outcome for that money that we were spending yeah. and that outcome was a child and we just weren't getting that outcome and you know so we just had the roof in what we were doing and so during this chemical pregnancy so this was this all happened in the space of a week we found out we we're going through a chemical pregnancy they said that there was a very very small chance that this pregnancy would continue you know everyone kind of says oh you know we've seen crazier things you know have hope but you know i don't think it's going to happen we didn't think it was going to happen. So we went for this appointment with, ah, no, sorry. So, you know, we found out about the chemical and then we get a phone call from my brother to say that him and his wife are pregnant. So we'd already been in tears that night about the chemical pregnancy. And then we get this phone call about my brother and his wife being pregnant and we unfortunately had a less than desirable response and look it it was bad on both parts we didn't have a good response but they probably weren't sensitive in the way that they told us Mm -hmm. and that just kind of didn't go down well with us um we were already in a bad place and it, it was just not the news that we needed to hear at that moment um and kind of we we just did not deal with that um yeah and it's so tough to deal with people's pregnancy news when you're you're in the middle of your own crisis it's just i think we just retreated i i said i we don't need to go over there we don't i don't want to be 
the downers on this news with your family. We just kind of recluded into our, our space and kept to ourselves. Yeah, we did. And we were so conscious all the time of just always having bad news. You know, we just always had bad news. There was never any good news with us. Yeah. <laughs> and that started to, that's, you know, really taken its toll on us that, um, no, you kind of felt like no one really wants to hear from us anymore because it's never fun. Yeah. yeah. It's never good. Mm-hmm. It's just always shit news. It's, it's always like, oh, we're, we're doing this now. Because so, so much, much of our life was taken up by this fertility journey that if someone asked, what are you doing? Oh, well, we're doing this now with fertility. Oh, no, I meant other areas of your life. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, no. We, we came really consumed with it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think people could really have a conversation with us because that's what we talked about Mm -hmm. Um, and people can't relate for the most part so that happened we found out that they were pregnant um kind of the next day we had an appointment with this new doctor um and an appointment was great yeah this doctor was absolutely fabulous i had a list of questions and he answered they answered all my questions before I'd even asked them. So mm. we're like, this is great. You know, like this doctor questioned, like, why are you using ICSI? And we said, why did you yeah. skip straight to ICSI? Why didn't yeah. you do IVF? And we said, well, yeah. uh, that was just what we we're told to do. Yeah. Your body seems to respond better on low dosage of uh, uh, the drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So this doctor was like absolutely shocked at the dosage, dosage of medication that I was put on. Um, couldn't believe that another doctor in that practice had done that. They basically just in the first interview, uh, in the first um, meeting that we had with them, gave us so many different avenues that we could try after we do this first one. Mm-hmm. And so there was a plan. There wasn't just there was a plan of many different options. So once we do this, we'll look at this, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do this. So it there was we didn't have to really ask for things mm-hmm. like no, everything yeah. was set out very clearly in a plan and no doctor had done that for us before um and so we were like great like this is excellent um you know and and i felt instantly comfortable this is the first time that we had a, a male doctor mm. um which i wasn't too sure about but i felt really comfortable with him and um you know to be honest like at that point like i really didn't care um so we're in the appointment. That's when shit got real. Yeah. Um, I looked at my phone and Amanda's brother was calling me and he never calls me. And I was like, shit, shit, shit. Okay. Um, and then I look on my phone and he's, he's been called. He's been calling me like multiple times and I have a message from him saying, call me back. It's urgent. And we're still in this but meeting. the appointment was wrapping up. Yeah. So Amanda said, look, I've got to take this call. And I said, yep, okay. So I I wrapped up the meeting with the doctor. He was giving me a few last-minute instructions, talking to the receptionist to book things in. Mm. And I, I just hear out in the hallway Amanda just saying, like, no, 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 no. So uh, uh, um, while you're paying, yeah, okay. I'm out on the phone. <clears throat> I couldn't call my brother back. Um and I was like, oh, shit, okay, what's going on? So I called my mother, um, and she answered, and she went at my brother's place. And I was like, what the fuck? And uh, she put me onto my sister-in-law, and I said, what the hell's going on? Like, is, some, is something happening to grandma? Like, what, is something happening to my dad? What, I, 
what's mm. going on? She said, no, no, it's Rick. And Rick is my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, very close, very, very close. Um, and yeah. Um, and at that point I just said, no, no, no. I didn't know what had happened. And I, I just burst back into the, the reception and just gave the phone to Alana and said, it's Rick. And just, I, I didn't know what happened. I was like, Oh, you, you didn't say anything. You just I, I felt it. like I said it's Rick and gave it to you. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, you but... did be the phone and just walked out. Um, like I, uh, the receptionist is kind of saying to me, like, is she okay? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I've looked at the phone. It's Amanda's mum, and uh, you know, I've like picked up the phone and I'm like trying to pay, and Amanda's mum's just said, Alana, it's Rick. It's not good. And I said, okay. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? She's like, he's gone. And I'm just like, oh, hang on. I've just got to pay and just, like, put the phone down. Like, it was just this ridiculous moment. And the receptionist said to me, like, is everything okay? And I said, no, there's been a death in the family. Oh and God. she's like, oh, she's like, oh just, just go, just go. Like, just go. Like, we'll, we'll take care of this later. And I'm just like, okay, thanks. Like, I had no idea what to do. So, you know, I had to... You know, you know, I'm going through this chemical pregnancy, right? Like, we've just like found out this like horrifying news. I had to. Amanda is just like absolutely devastated. I, I couldn't even talk to her. I had to get her in a taxi, get her to her brother's house, and you know, we get there, and I had a blood test earlier that morning. So the the clinic's calling me to tell me that like my HCG levels have gone up again. Um. Yeah. It was just this, like bizarre. It was just like a bad movie. I, and this was just, and this is just the beginning of so <laughs> the shit that went the, down. The shock came from it wasn't expected. It 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 was suicide, mm-hmm. and it's fucked. Yeah, yeah. It's just fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I, yeah. And I, yeah, I, yeah. It was just nuts. And I, you know, we're sitting with the family, you know, and you know, I'm sitting amongst this grieving family. I didn't tell Amanda that the nurses had called and my HCG had actually gone up. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm starting to feel really sick. And that's kind of when morning sickness started for me. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? And that was the first time that like I kind of actually started vomiting um and then kind of shortly after that you know because I'm taking my temperatures all the time my temperature dropped the hcg just like rapidly dropped and my period started like all amongst this like you know starting to plan funerals and and whatnot and at this point I was completely unavailable yeah like I had just checked out yeah um, I had completely checked out to every aspect of Ooh. daily life. Mm. Um, so I was lost. Yeah. Um, and so we, I kind of just made the call, you know, this new doctor kind of said, look, I, he wanted to track my cycle and just watch a natural cycle. And he kind of said, look, let's just throw in an IUI. You know, let's not waste this cycle. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Just to add something else, there's so many levels of your story going on here and it's just, yeah, yeah. incredible. But that's the thing, right? Life is going to go on through your fertility journey and mm-hmm. 
you keep doing it, you just keep going, right? Yeah. So, and life is 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 never going to stop. Yeah. Um, as much as you want it to, you know, like sometimes uh, yeah, and, you just want to hit pause. Yeah, and at that point, like I, I don't think like I even recognize that we're going to do an IUI. I was like, oh, oh. I don't even think I really like you knew we were doing it, but I just did not tell you any of the details. No. I just, you know, I just did it all myself because I just, well, you know, Amanda was just, just not there. You yeah. know, she was just completely vacant and understandably um, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it was like just this insane time for me where, you know, Amanda would go to work she'd come home and you know in the nicest way possible she was an absolute zombie you know she would sit on the lounge and just sob you know um and I was just kind of doing everything you know I had to cook for dinner I had to clean the house but I was also getting up really early to go to my blood test appointments for my blood test appointments at the clinic and um, I, I don't know how I did it, to be honest. Like, mm. I was just running off pure, like, adrenaline, and I was just exhausted, like, absolutely exhausted. So we did this IUI, and, you know, with no medications, it's absolutely natural. So I guess that was the only good thing about it, right? Mm. If she had been on hormones, it might have been a very hard to deal with. Uh-huh. and you know so they're watching kind of my follicles and my hormones rise and it gets to a point where it's getting very close to IUI being on the same day as the funeral and it was just like how are we going to do this like what are we going to do and the clinic were aware of the situation and we're you know we're great at this time and trying to accommodate me in every way that they could um but it was just me taking like these secret phone calls like away from a grieving family and you know the day of the funeral I got up super early to go into the city to get my blood test came home had to get Amanda ready and get her in a car to take her to this funeral we're standing outside the funeral um and like just before the hearse pulls up and like the clinic called me they weren't expecting to speak to me they were expecting just to leave a voicemail but I answered the phone you know to tell me that the IUI I was safe that day I didn't have to do the IUI that day um uh, you know and that was just like a huge relief because I had no idea how I was going to manage that because I was going to have to travel like an hour away from the funeral to get the IUI by myself and then travel back to get Amanda um so that was lucky it ended up being kind of two days later or something like that and we thought well you you know this is going to work because he's up there watching out for us and you know this is going to be the one that works um so we're in the two-week wait and get this phone call from amanda no actually from your mum um i had all these missed calls from amanda's mum and she just says to me, like, have you spoken to Amanda? I said, no, like, she's meeting me in a second, but I haven't spoken to her yet. And she said, well, you know, things aren't good with Toby, and that's Amanda's dog. 
And I was like, shit, okay. And we knew, like, Toby was quite old by this point. Mm. So we knew that we're going to have to start making decisions. But we didn't think it would be this soon. She'd, she'd been living with my mother since we moved into the apartment because she was getting old. She was a staffy, and her back legs weren't that great. And there was a lot of stairs to get into the apartment. So she'd uh, lived with my mother and was besties with my mum's dog so got spoilt mm-hmm. for the, the last couple of years of her life mm-hmm. and um during that time uh, october november that year um her kidneys started to go a little bit mm-hmm. and basically that that day i got a call from the vet saying Look, we've done another blood test and her kidneys are like it's going to be bad very soon She's going to have a lot of toxins in her body and going to start to feel really sick. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, basically I called Alana and said, well, I'm going out to mum's and we'll spend a last night with her and unfortunately had to put her down the next day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that was just another, another blow, uh, you know, and it was just it was just so tough you know and then we we get this negative result and it was so tough because I essentially had to deal with it myself because Amanda just had so many other things to deal with um I I don't even know if you like you just had no idea of what was going on really I don't even know if I told you that it was a negative cycle I just assumed it would be negative because it was an IUI right (laughs) you know we just um yeah, I, it was just this insane time of just living these, like, two, you know, just all these emotions, like, and, and yeah. somewhat having to do it by ourselves. That was, I think, was crazy. Uh, and I think it was at that point that I had so much emotionally on my plate that I couldn't really support Alana on no. my own anymore. No. So I definitely had to reach out and just say, look, I can't deal with this no more. Like, it's getting to the point where it's just too much and it's too much unhappiness. Mm. And I, like, I honestly think it was going to be really detrimental to our relationship that Mm. we are just stuck inside this constant unhappiness and now all this other, other stuff has happened where I've usually been okay and up to it and been able to, to deal with it. And it was after these, these other things that happened, I was like, you know what, fuck this. Like, mm. this is enough. Like, yeah. And at the same time, because I got diagnosed with PTSD yeah. from the fertility treatment and miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went on medication and I, you know, ugh, I was worried about it for so long and put it off for so long. But, it, it, you know, it's actually the best, one of the best things that I've done for myself to go on medication um, to really help with that anxiety. Um, you know, because I was having panic attacks all the time mm. about, you know, about different things. And yeah. um, uh, it's, you know, it, it was super tough. So I, I think, you know, the medication really helped me through that time yeah. um, because I think otherwise both of us would have hit rock bottom mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, Do you mean that you were put on like, any depressants? Sorry, is that what you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah antidepressants. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that helped me and was able to like keep me going to of be course. able to keep Amanda going yep. through this time. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story, we will pop the link in the show notes. Be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes, it lands straight into your listen now. If you could also leave us a review for the show, that would be so appreciated. No words are needed, just stars. If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Volodka Lushenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.